Hello all and welcome to episode 10 of Two Psychs and Nikes. This week's show we will discuss existentialism, where the theory came from, when it developed and why, and who the main protagonists were. It's, it's a fairly massive theory, hopefully we're able to break it down into bite-sized chunks. Um, we learned a lot while researching for the episode. I'm sure we've all heard of an existential crisis. So we'll maybe get stuck into some some information about that. We hope that you continue to stay home and stay safe during these unique times. So I hope you enjoy episode 10, Existentialism. Hello all and welcome to episode 10 of Two Psychs in Nikes. I'm Jody, And I'm Larry. And hopefully we've just spent the last half an hour trying to set up uh, Larry's mic. So we, we've gone fancy now this week. You m- hopefully you'll notice a difference in sound quality. Um, we don't think they were too bad in the early days because we were using Zoom. And I think we got away with it quite well. I was making adjustments in the in the post phase. But I think um, we, we hopefully there'll be a difference this week. And uh, for the better, for the better. And this week's topic is existentialism. Big word big word big big theory and uh larry was the one that threw this into the mix so i'm hoping he's going to carry the show basically because uh, <laughs> it's it's a, it's a bit of a it's it's a conundrum what do you think larry yeah i know yeah i remember when i first heard about existentialism um and i was trying to get my head around what it meant yeah there was a bit of a uh, learning curve like um yeah but then when the penny dropped it was like oh it's fairly straightforward fairly straightforward okay because yeah so like i was I, i'd heard of it but i'd never um gone into any detail and i like i would glance over the philosophical side of things ah, regularly mm. enough but it would be it would be in the way of like um single page articles on different theories it wouldn't it wouldn't really go beyond that so this was this mm. was good to look at and it's a pretty recent thing like i noticed um like it was the mid 18 Eight, around 1840, 1850 was when this was kind of thrown mm. into the mix and then it was only really in the last hundred years that it was kind of nailed down so I found it interesting right. that it was quite new yeah yeah it's a European philosophy and it began in the mid 19th and 20th centuries mm. um, and it became p- particularly popular after World War Two. I heard that and, yeah. and that was because yeah. of and I thought that was that was fascinating because um well actually let's i suppose give me give me a definition so the listeners can can kick off um what what do you think best describes existentialism and the theory of it and then i suppose the listeners will be able to carry on in the episode if they feel it yeah go on yeah so like there's a couple of different definitions but uh one of them would be like it's uh existentialism is a philosophy that emphasizes the individual's existence freedom and choice uh, it's a view that humans define their own meaning in life and try to make rational decisions despite existing in an in, I- irrational universe. Okay, so so what I would take from that is is that inherently existentialists believe there may not be a meaning to all this, that we actually mm. have to all individually come up with our own um, mm. purpose in life and follow that. Is that wrapped up in a nutshell kind of yeah yeah like there's a good quote um which which kind of goes to describe what you're talking about there um and it's just like it's very short 
the quote is existence precedes essence so basically like what that is saying and my understanding is we're born into the world um and we exist but our essence uh isn't born with us in the sense that we can create our own world to a certain extent you know be our own world might mean our own beliefs i like that that was such a simple uh three word little statement Mm -hmm. there but actually that that's cool i I hadn't found that in any literature um yeah so I, i like i went back to the mid 1800s and this was probably before it had a name on it but Kierkegaard mm-hmm. was a philosopher that kind of started talking about this but it wasn't it wasn't specifically called existentialism but he was um I read about him and he had had a very difficult life and this seems to be something that maybe is consistent with all these thinkers is that they have their own kind of um demons and their own um deep kind of backgrounds of loss and grief and Mm -hmm. family traumas i mean kierkegaard Mm. Kierkegaard lost all his brothers and sisters and his mother before he was like mid-20s it seems so if you're going to face something like that um i i think it throws all these up into question these 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 bigger um life worries that we have i mean probably if we were if if you like personally i've probably thought of them when i was at me kind of lowest ebbs and, and that's when these big philosophies come to light yeah exactly yeah like it could be that you you know someone passes away that's close to you or you climb the, to the top of a mountain as a particularly difficult difficult climb and you get to the top and you look around and you kind of ask yourself gosh what's the what's the purpose of all this you know what's my purpose you have for those moments where you you know these type of theories kind of come to light you know like you wouldn't be thinking about them every day necessarily but you have moments where they, they actually are really important and significant yeah that, that that's good I, I like in, in even in sports books i suppose it would relate to that because some people would work from uh the early teens until like for they might work for two decades trying to reach a gold medal or trying to reach a, a championship and I've read a lot that people obviously a lot of people are delighted and and over the moon but then there is a lot of people that it's a bit of an kind of underwhelming situation and they kind of they don't know what to do from there it's kind of like you fall off a cliff because you've reached that Mm. thing that you've worked for for 20 years and exactly like what's next you know yeah yeah so it's not just grief and loss it's sometimes maybe it's un unfulfilled what would it be it's like um your satisfaction that you thought you were going to be able to live live after your your journey is not really what you thought it would be it's now you you mentioned a guy that um brought this to psychotherapy whereas i was looking up the philosophers but you mentioned um kind of the preeminent figure on on the psychotherapy side what was that guy's name uh irvin yalom yes yeah, yeah I think he, he wrote was, a book called yeah. existential as if uh as existential psychotherapy um yeah, I've been reading that book for the last while now. It's a bit of a, it's a, it's at times a tough read, um, because he's kind of questioning, he's questioning people like uh, Carl Jung and Freud and people like that. And when he questions these other, you know, imminent uh, psychotherapists, the the book becomes a lot more difficult to read because he he really has to up his game to to question these iconic people, mm. um. 
and argue his point against theirs. So uh, yeah, does it take a while to get through? Like, is it? It's it's yeah, it's a, it was heavy a bit read. of a yeah. It was like you literally some chapters you'd have to have a dictionary beside you in order for you to really understand. It was literally like a different language. But then you'd switch to the next chapter, and he's kind of talking normal again, where you just you know you understand what he's talking about quite easily. Um, hmm. So I thought that was interesting. You he's know, still around, that guy. I think he's like he's late eighties. That's right, yeah, Yalom is is uh, Yalom is still alive, yeah, yeah. Um, but actually, one of the, the first people to identify as an existentialist is a guy called uh, Jean-Paul Sartre. Sartre, Sartre yeah, the French Sartre, guy, yeah. 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 Um, and he was the one who was quoted as saying, uh, existence precedes essence. That was his uh, like definition of it. Another very, very interesting and... Um, strange eccentric character uh, like if if you I, I don't know if you know if you ever looked up his own history but again a lot of um heavy medication a lot of cigarettes and um, pipe smoking a lot of prescription drugs um he seems sounds to, like a rock star yeah he, well he probably was <laughs> the rock star of his time yeah so, <laughs> so but yeah i think he again it didn't did, would he have come to fruition after like the the second world war after like because i think there was so much um disillusion with what could what the human race could be capable of and and mm-hmm. i think i think there was a bit of um a loss of direction like and this is when yes but sartre was a real character and again it brings me back to these these people that come up with these philosophies is they've usually been through the mill themselves it's it's i suppose like great yeah. writers or great musicians you, you know you can only probably write about love if you've experienced or, or loss like or grief if you've gone through it and that's probably similar to philosophy yeah i think I, that's a really good point because i have a book called um behind the mask and what it does is it, it, f- it focuses on all the different um so psychotherapists and all the different theories that they have but it, it it includes their background story, so okay. like it, you know, it talks about you know, it includes that because it be, the the author of the book believes that each individual story plays a big part in the theory that or philosophy that they created or or came upon. So um, I yeah, can't, I, think, I can't I can't remember yeah. the name of that book, Blair, but I think I have that in my. Well, like my wish list, um, because it's it, it it mentions that that they talk about the individual before they talk about their 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 philosophy. Yeah, that's yeah, that's cool. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's actually a side note. It's a an expensive book, so like a hundred and seventy euro on uh, book depository, oh, well. and uh, I went on to eBay and I got it for a fiver. So I was delighted with that. Oh, brilliant! <laughs> <laughs> Bargain. Anyhow. Yeah, so where was it? Yeah, yeah, there was a documentary actually, or a movie, uh, whatever you want to call it. It's on YouTube. Uh, it's called Fly from Debt. And um, it's, uh, it kind of t- it explains in different ways about existentialism. Mm. And um, it's very interesting. It really is interesting. It kind of uh, allows you to kind of peek behind the curtain uh, and understand what 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 motivates people and what motivates um you know uh countries and 
different uh, faiths and cultures and yeah it kind of gives you an under- a good overview of why people do what they do um, is that widely available there can we find that yeah if you just go you just go into YouTube and type in flight from death okay. um, I know it doesn't sound too uplifting um, but it's yeah it's interesting it's not too dark really it's you know it mentions it covers like culture and uh, why why culture exists, you know, and it it, it says that uh, the purpose of culture it's to it's created to comfort our death anxiety, um, and the death anxiety they believe is um like the core motivation behind everybody's every move every day and every moment of their life, yeah. Um, though nobody's really conscious of it so it could be like um even with my memorabilia business you know i my, my one of my motivations to have that business was because i always wanted to buy my own house well then i could say well why do i want to buy my own house well because i, I want to have a roof over my head what happens if i don't have a roof over my head well i could be out in the street and what happens if i'm out in the street you know i could you know be at risk of you know, living on the street, you know the obvious risks of living on the street. Yeah, like, um, yeah. So, it, like, everything can come back to this, like, anxiety, underlying exo- anxiety. Um, yeah. And we put, we create culture in order to comfort that that anxiety that we have. Um, we but, are, like, cult- the purpose of culture is to comfort us. And the way we might go about that will be, like... Um, we all follow the same rules, you know, social etiquette. Um, that would bring some comfort. We're all part of the same religion. That could also bring a lot of comfort. Yeah. Um, and this, like we all follow the same football team. There's many different things. You know, we all, we're all part of a group of people who kind of agree to do similar things. And once that those, those different elements aren't questioned by anybody, then you know things t- seem to to move forward quite smoothly. But then the problem can occur when, say, one culture comes in contact with another culture, um, mm. and then one culture might cause the other culture to question their beliefs. Okay. And that's that, uh, as you know, could be the start of a, a war in some yeah. cases. Yeah. Um, p- Purely because, uh, yeah, there could be like other reasons like money and power and things like that. Not, you know, they're obviously really important as well. Yeah. But it, it could be the essence of a war could be down to just a clash of cultures, yeah. different beliefs. Like, um, you know, w- one religion versus another religion. You know, a lot of war is based on on culture. Or a lot of a lot of uh, conflict, like and long reaching. Like, I mean, stuff that goes on for decades or centuries can really be just a difference of beliefs and a difference of culture yeah that you're, you're right um i do so are you are we basically saying that as a as a species we've had to we've had to basically inject our own meaning like what because what you're talking about there culture rules um society like we we created all that to give it meaning like so if we were just born and we just lived it, it do existentialists believe that there's no inherent meaning that we have to actually give it meaning is is, is that right that's pretty much in a nutshell what what an existentialist believes mm. I, yeah. I mean if you've ever i suppose I, I i some of the stuff i read it was 
I, I remember, yeah, like loss, um, a, a really somebody that, that was really close. I mean, that would be the time that you would ask a lot of these questions, um, especially if it happens in certain ways. And then if you feel, I don't know, if you feel maybe let down by your state or by, um, yeah, by, by the setup, I think like I would have, I would have faced a lot of these questions over the last few years and what what's it all about what's the point um i don't you know I, it's it's only when you're pushed i think sometimes to the brink that you raise all these because if you're living your everyday life and you're busy with bills and families and and work mm. and and you're like watching sport and you're getting stuff fixed or you're, like i don't think sometimes these even you could go through life and not even think about these things yeah, I, I think it's what people would term as an existential crisis is when you start to question these these um, not accepted norms. You start to question them, but in a real deep way, you know, yeah. Yeah. which could lead to you deciding, you know, well, I'm not going to work nine to five anymore or, or, you know, I never really liked playing tennis. That was me. My dad always wanted me to play tennis or something. I actually like playing ping pong, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so it could be, it could, the existential crisis can lead to like, um, lead to somebody possibly having a more authentic life, you know. I did see authenticity pop up a lot. Um, Mm, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's something that I would, yeah, it's probably in a roundabout way, although I didn't really know much about this, I would always, it's something that probably as from our early teens, this was something that really bugged me because, um, like say your government tells you well this is this is the way you should do things or mm-hmm. your even your boss like I, I i could never understand like hierarchy and somebody becoming um a kind of making your decisions or becoming more powerful than you i always i always question this like um and th- i think that's sartre when i was reading about sartre that seems like what his point was that just because there's people in certain positions we're still mm-hmm. human and we they're still making it up just like we're making it up and mm. that's why living authentically means that you will always have kind of a center point i suppose like last week mm. we were talking a little bit about morality and like where your your principles are and as long as you keep coming back to them and you don't get skewed you've probably got um, a consistent level about you and I, I just when i was reading sartre's uh, opinion on authenticity i liked it yeah Mm. And then what on that note, like what can happen and say like uh, one person has an existential crisis, you know, uh, and they question the, their purpose in life, you know, and then they decide to make some changes in their life. And um, but they're kind of on the outside in the sense that they're not doing what everybody else is doing, you know, Um but yeah, you're a bit of an outsider then. You're a bit then, of yeah, a say you're an outsider, yeah. So it could be, let's say, one person versus the group. Versus the group in the sense that you have a different philosophy kind of or approach to life, different beliefs. The, with the group of people and their beliefs, uh, like one person with a belief, say, might may not be too powerful, but when you have a group of people and they're also like um, converting others, you know, to believe what they believe so mm. the group becomes bigger and mm. also the person who's converted to other people their self-esteem grows because now they have people who are on board with their way of thinking and um you know they feel more powerful and it's stronger and the group gets bigger and bigger 
the strength of one group versus say a smaller group can be it could be an issue then yeah because uh there's just literally more people be, who believe in that way of being versus some other groups uh beliefs a bit like minorities so, in in countries did did you come across nietzsche 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 at all the german guy did you another kind of famous existentialist and again i think it was around um around world war Two. but the interesting thing was that that guy supposedly the story goes that he was he was in um italy somewhere mm-hmm. and he was in the street and he saw a horse being whipped uh, violently yeah. and yeah. it broke him and like it was it was probably to somebody else um they would walk past that but when you're sensitive to these things and the funny thing is i'd be mad really really sensitive to violence or to like i can't watch certain things like you know certain videos go around and i just they they would stay with me for a long time now not mm. not in this but nietzsche ended up in i think when he went home his family kind of said well you have to go to an asylum and i think he spent like his last years in an asylum because because of yeah. this and because of his thinking yeah but the i think nazi propaganda then took his work and twisted it to work in favor of the propaganda machine and i think it went under his name but he actually said he he was never for he never supported what was going on but because his name was behind it and they twisted it i think mm-hmm. i think a family member took his stuff and maybe his sister and changed it to suit the propaganda and um yeah and then he went down i think in history as supporting what was going on with the with the nazi movement so um fascinating stuff and only like 70 80 90 years ago like we're not talking centuries ago yeah it's not that long ago yeah they, 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 some of these people have led very interesting lives yeah yeah and with your course there um at the moment are you are you on this uh, like is this is this part of the curriculum now at the moment or are you are you doing this as just as a as an extra study or will it will it become part of it is it a major theory or is it just something you brush on in, in college yeah no it's a major it's a major uh tier it's a major um field existentialism is a major field and uh what i'm learning okay. in the under the umbrella of person-centered therapy so, like, person-centered therapy would be based on the belief that each human, kind of, each person or organism, as they're called in the books, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, ha- they, they innately have the answers to their own questions, you know. So, <clears throat> instead of a counsellor giving somebody advice, they just try create an environment, <clears throat> excuse me, um, where the person can... Um, grow naturally themselves you know um to, so they can self-actualize okay so because uh, their their experience is unique to them and you can only yeah. get advice but you can't actually they can't follow up a, a set path so the, it, the right the right i think they said that the right decision is the decision that the individual makes and that's it there's no there's nothing yeah. else to it yeah i like what they're saying in, in with existentialism is like there is no real purpose so you can create your own purpose like or you could take on board someone else's purpose or you, you could go to a counsellor and ask for advice and you could give advice and you take that advice instead of kind of uh, trusting whatever advice you conjure up yourself for yeah. yourself yeah 
and and going with that even if it's doesn't work out well you learn something from it but if you're always take just doing what someone else is telling you to do following the culture or following the rules and never trusting your own innate ability you know different way of living your life really okay it's yeah. it's, it's a brilliant topic and it's it's something that yeah i had never looked at and i was delighted when you brought it up because it meant that I, I had to go and sit down and think about it and take notes and and it was it was great for me i i love that when you're kind of you have a deadline and you're somebody suggests something and you have to just get stuck in so um thanks man yeah i've i've, I've enjoyed it immensely ah good good Is, did you have anything else there in your notes or did we do you think we covered it do you think we got enough across for people to get at <coughs> least a, a kind of an opening to it if they wanted to explore more yeah i think so yeah i think so you could go on and on you know there's lots to talk about when it comes to existential existentialism but uh yeah i think that's enough yeah it's going to be i suppose it's going to be a slightly different um podcast topic and and the way we did it so it'll be if anyone has any comments if you like it if you don't like it let us know anyway like you know um get in touch through, through the channels or if if we raised anything that you want to discuss you can always reach out to me i'm i'm always available for a chat i'm at um at talk to the bishop on social media or my website is uh, talk to the bishop.com so if anyone needs to reach out and have a chat about things it's it's no problem so i would like to say thanks and continue spreading the word where I think we're up to nearly 200 downloads since we started this and we've done about 12 episodes so we're happy with like i mean it's it's going well but it could always be better so please if if you like it if you enjoy it and you you know somebody that we might be on a similar wavelength let them know and um review hit the little stars on the podcast on apple and uh, yeah thanks again for tuning in